You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. This being Missions Sunday, I have been preaching and teaching a lot out of the book of Acts myself. Yeah, and so since, I don't know, the beginning of the year, we've been in the book of Acts, and there's a, there's a couple individuals in the book of Acts that have impressed me, and I, I want to talk about these two individuals and, and apply it to our lives and do this as quickly as I can, uh, and I'm going to be in Acts chapter 8, and the first fellow that impresses me is Philip. And uh, this is when great persecution, uh, the first persecution, had come to the believers in Jerusalem. And, of course, the believers were scattered. And they went into Judea and Samaria and began to move into the uttermost parts of the earth, just like Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, it didn't come by sitting down at a conference table, uh, as you might think. Uh, that missions program would happen. It came with some real pressure that came upon the Jerusalem church. And just like Jesus said, off they go into Samaria. And Philip was one that went down to Samaria. And he was preaching the gospel as he went. <coughs> and uh, it says here in verse 4, Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. Now, that's called power evangelism. That's, that's the kind of evangelism that I like. Now, you know, there's different kinds of evangelism, and you're going to be encouraged in your friendship evangelism. And uh, what a, another one, what I call come and see evangelism. I think that's what Philip did for Nathaniel is uh, there, this is a place of joy and a place of light and a place where the gospel is being preached and inviting your friends, your neighbors, your associates to come into this place of light has a way of breaking down the barriers uh, that's, that, and the lies that are in the mind to keep people from coming to Christ. So come and see evangelism is a, is a, is a low-risk uh, evangelism. Now, power evangelism is, is, I guess, what turns on this evangelist here. You know, I like to, when I see a need, I ask this simple question, can I pray for you? And you know, about 99% of the time, the answer is sure. Now, they don't always know I'm going to pray for them right then, you know. But you see, each of us carry not only a message, but we carry a presence with us. And we can become skilled at releasing the life of God and the presence of God. And that presence, it's not just words about love. The very compassion and the love of Christ flows out of your spirit to the world around you. Uh, you, are, you are light. I need, I need an amen right there. <laughs> see, I, I, and it, and it, you can't see it with these eyes, but I like to think of it, you know, that when I walk into a place... Um, that it's like, it's like one of those, um, it's like one of those lawn sprinklers. You know that. <laughs> See, light is greater than the darkness, and it pushes out the darkness. And so the the demons that are on people, when I get real close to them and I'm praying for them, that spirit that in, 
that infects them or that spirit that influences them doesn't have power in my presence because we carry a presence as well as the gospel. And so when I pray for somebody and a miracle happens and they're healed, uh, I have their attention. So G Philip had the attention of the crowds in Samaria uh, through the evangelism that he did. Now, a revival is raging in Samaria. Miracles and healings. Uh, in, the, in the case of many, it says in verse 7, many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was much rejoicing in the city. I mean, we're talking a major manifestation of heaven and the earth here, okay? Now, what I want to look at is I want you to go over to verse 25 and read with me here. So when they had Solomon testified, Peter and John came down. They joined in with the revival to get them baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so when they had Solomon testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem. And they were preaching the gospel to many cities, villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and said, get up and go. I, I like those four words right there. <laughs> The word of the Lord is get up and go, okay? You know, get up off that couch and go talk to your neighbor. You know, she's out there gardening, you know, and get out there. I'll tell you what, if you start talking to somebody about their garden, yeah, you, you've got yourself a, 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 a friend. They'll tell you all about their flowers or, their, or uh, if, if the fellow is in his garage working on something, go talk to him and, and you're going to hear all about his world. Or if they got a little dog, you ask them about the dog, you're in it for a half hour. <laughs> okay? It's not hard to make friends, just walking through your neighborhood waving, okay? But uh, it's a matter of get up and go. And so uh, this was the word of the Lord to Philip to get up and go down to a desert road. He said, uh, south to the road which descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This was a desert road. Now, this impresses me that Philip would go would be obedient to leave a raging revival to go down to a desert road. This simple act of obedience. He c how important is it to hear the communications of heaven and how important is it to obey? Because who he was going to talk to was a government official from the uh, kingdom of Ethiopia. Now, we know about the country of Ethiopia. It's it's it's. It's got borders, but the kingdom of Ethiopia in that day encompassed much more. It was up in one of the powerful empires of the day. And here was an official who could have gotten saved in Jerusalem, but it, because there were believers, there was a revival going on in Jerusalem. You know, thousands were being saved here in the beginning of the book of Acts. Uh, but he didn't get saved in Jerusalem, but God was after him. And see, he had been to Jerusalem to worship, and now he's on his way home. But God had, in his mind, the gospel going to the Gentiles. And so he says, Philip, I need you. I need you to leave the seminar, leave the revival here. And just that word that he could hear and obey, and that simple act of obedience to go uh, to me, this resulted in something probably we don't have much record of other than church history calls this Ethiopian man the father of evangelism. 
This was going to bring the gospel to Africa. Who knows how many millions of people were affected by Philip's act of obedience. And what he says to Philip is he says, uh, the spirit then spoke to Philip and said, go up and join this chariot. You know, and, and those words speak to me real loud. Go up and join this chariot. Now, this chariot wasn't like one of those chariots that um, you would picture in your mind being a, um, a warrior's chariot. You know, the two wheels and the horse and, you know, the spear and everything. Not that kind of chariot. It's more like a wagon, a royal wagon. He, w he, w he, he, he was in charge of the finances uh, there of the queen who took care of the administrative uh, matters of Ethiopia. The king was more like a deity, and uh, so he, 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 he served uh, Candace, who, well, that's not really her name, but that's her position uh, uh, there in Ethiopia. And so he had a wagon, and you could tell this was a, an official's vehicle here. It's just, uh, so that's what it looked like, and he said, go up and join this chariot. What that speaks to me is that Philip went into his world, see, and he came up into his world and his chariot. You know, um, there is uh, different philosophies in church ministry. We kind of need a mix of both. One is an attractional method of reaching our community. That is, we have a beautiful building. We got nice soft chairs. We have nice music. We have efficiency in ministry and uh Good preaching and all these things are very attractive uh, so that uh, the, the one seeking the Lord can come in and uh, find his way to God. That's an attractional method. But we're called to missions and to have a missional mentality where we go into every man's world to bring the very presence of God and bring the message of God. You know, Jesus really didn't say, you know, go into all the world and hold meetings and hope some uh, lost people will come. That, that's not the, the, <laughs> the commission. The commission is go into all the world, go into every man's world, because you, each one of us, are missionaries. Each one of us, in obedience to the Holy Spirit, we become his emissaries. And this is what I'm laying on you today, missionaries. <laughs> Say it, I'm a missionary, and I'm on a mission and so what's important is that my ability to gain the direction of the spirit and then obey. Okay. So uh, who knows the result of his obedience? And I'll, I'll mention quickly one more fellow that has got me impressed is Ananias that we see in chapter 9, verse 10. And this is when Saul was persecuting the church on a rampage, putting them in prison, imprisoning them, and, and he was striking terror, <laughs> you know, in the hearts of the believers, and he was on his way to Damascus, and, of course, he had an encounter. God was after him. God had chosen him to be his vessel and his missionary to the Gentile world, and because he was persecuting the church, I believe the church was obeying Jesus' teachings to pray for those that persecute you, and those prayers enabled heaven to be manifest and knocked him off his donkey, all right? See, he didn't meet the, the Nazarene. He, 
uh, that walked the shores of Galilee, he didn't even meet the resurrected Jesus that was in the upper room with the disciples after he was raised from the dead. He met the glorified, exalted Jesus as he is today. Uh, that, and that kind of glory, that kind of brightness blinded him, knocked him down, blinded him for three days. You see, this is the only description we have in the Bible of Jesus is what he looks like today. Seated at the right hand of the Father, his face shining like the sun, his eyes like flames of fire. This is, this is who he met on that road. And can you imagine uh, what a stunner, what a shocker it was, you know, when he says, Who are you, sir? And he says, I am Jesus. <laughs> you know, his whole idea about Jesus, whom he thought was a heretic, who, who, who he thought was dead, uh, uh, you know, because he w was cursed of God, and all these, and he felt like he was working for God and going after all those that were following the teachings of Jesus as heretics, and this was his whole mentality, and here he hears from Jesus himself, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Uh, have you ever watched a movie uh, and you're following this movie along logically and you know you're in a, you're with the movie and you think you're understanding the movie and then at the very end of the movie there's this twist and you realize you had it all wrong you know he wasn't the criminal he was the criminal he wasn't the bad guy he was the good guy and, and it was all turned around and well this is what Saul's going through so Saul went through some real repentance now while he's going through all that, the Lord speaks to a man named Ananias, and he says, Ananias, what, let's, let's read it as, as it was said to him. And the Lord said to him, get up, go to the street called Straight, and inquire of the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. For he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Look at the next word, but... <laughs> but there's a hesitation here, which would only be normal because he was very aware of Saul and what he was up to. And so his own logic and perhaps there was a fear factor involved. There were some obstacles for him to overcome to obey what the Lord was saying to him because of what he knew about Saul. But the Lord assures him and not only is he listen to this. He says, Saul has he's praying, <laughs> you think? And he has received a vision of you, Ananias, coming in to pray for him. You know, God prepares the way. When he has a hard task for you to do and he has something for you to do, he prepares the provision and the grace and everything you need to do to obey the word of the Lord. Now, here's what I'm coming to by bringing these two guys to our minds is that there are barriers to our obedience. There is a warfare against the obedience that you face. You know, see, obedience is not an option, but you are going to face obstacles of fear. Uh, the carnal mind fights against the things of God, but there is a demonic warfare that comes against you from being obedient to the Lord. See, the Lord speaks to you immediately, your, our reasoning will kick in, much like it did for Ananias. What, well, wait a minute, you know, I, I, I've never been to Bible school. You know, I, you know, I don't know, how many of you ever heard this little lie in your head? Well, I, I don't know enough of the Bible. 
to obey God. <laughs> Can I say to you that Balaam's donkey had no Bible knowledge whatsoever? You see, the ravens that, that brought bread to Elijah, they weren't Bible school students. They were just in obedience. I'll tell you, if God speaks to you and the Spirit of the Lord speaks to you, O missionary, you are qualified and His grace will enable you to obey Him. Okay, but there is a warfare from our own carnal mind. I mean, think about it. You know, about what if Peter hesitated on the edge of the boat when the Lord said, come. See, everything that was in the word come to him when Jesus was on the water. Uh, back up the story here a little bit. And he saw Jesus walking in the water and, and, and Jesus said to him, come. And everything he needed supernaturally to walk on the water was in that word come. But had Peter hesitated and thought about it, just a minute here. Uh, <laughs> I know about water. I sink in water. And, you know, no, he went ahead and pushed through his own reasonings and began to obey and walk on the water. See, so there is a demonic warfare that comes against us. Why? Because whenever there is an action of faith and obedience, I wish I could teach this, it releases a manifestation of God in the earth. You're the manifestation point. Your obedience, the words that you speak, these are all releases of your faith and bring a manifestation of miracles, bring a manifestation of the life of God through you to our world. Devil doesn't like that. Light pushes out darkness. And so uh, I find uh, you will find resistance that when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you to go forgive, uh, to go to give money, to whatever it is, whatever determined purpose you have in God is is seen as an act of warfare by your enemy. And so you'll get demonic warfare that says, who do you think you are? <laughs> you know, how about prayer? Prayer is a is an action of faith and you decide well I'm gonna you know I'm gonna I'm gonna get up this morning I'm gonna pray and well you've got a, a warfare that says there's no use for you to pray God ain't listening to you who do you think you are you sinner you and that's the war that comes against us because the the intent of that is to get us in a passive and inactive position you see, the devil does not fear knowledgeable Christians. He fears obedient ones because it pushes out his work where where there is, you know, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And and where there is uh, death, we bring life where there is sickness. We bring health where there is unrighteousness. We bring the righteousness of God. We push out darkness. And so there is the conflict. There's the warfare. And so it's a warfare of discouragement. I want to tell you something, most pastors sit at their desk on Monday morning and waves of doubt and unbelief attack them. You know, why don't you go get a real job? You know, what? you're not making any difference in this town. That's the kind of warfare that you learn to live with and overcome. I've been laying hands on the sick since I was 18 years old, and I have seen Every kind of miracle you can imagine, you know, in our in our work, uh, blind eyes opening, deaf ears opening, cripples walking. You know, it's the manifestation of the gift of healing that's flowing. But still, whenever <laughs> I take this action right here, my action of faith, take my hands out of 
my pockets and I'm going to pray for somebody, you know what I get? Warfare. A wave of doubt usually hits me and it just says, well, it's not going to work this time. Uh, you haven't got what it takes. Uh, you, you kicked the wife and hollered at the dog or hollered at the dog, kicked the wife some, or whatever. You know, all the reasons why this is not going to work for you today. Why? Because there's a warfare against your obedience. And so what I am exhorting you to, and I'm going to have to shut this message down, is your little acts of obedience. Think about Ananias. He became an instrument in the life of one of the greatest gospel champions of our history, which is Paul the Apostle. God used a simple disciple in his obedience. Philip, his simple obedience that was beyond reason to go to the desert road could have brought millions and millions of Africans and may, may still be going on today. What I want to say to this house, you know, we, I appreciate what the ministers of this house do, but all of us are ministers and it is required of us to obey our Lord. And when the Spirit of God is speaking, it may not seem reasonable, it may seem small, it may seem insignificant, but I want to say your obedience is important. I got to quit. Um, boy, I can remember when I first became a Christian. I would be, wa I walked by a, a gum wrapper once, and the Holy Spirit said to me, Go pick that up. What difference does it make that I pick up somebody? What's that about? It is the test of obedience to the Spirit. And if I can learn to hear the voice of the Spirit, to reach out to others around me, it's going to be tested. He wants to see if he's got a vessel that will obey him, a vessel that will be reliable. And the more reliable I can become in a small thing, and the more faithful I can become in a small thing, one day he's, he, God will have in his kingdom a servant that he can rely upon and trust that will move beyond his fears, beyond the warfare of doubt, and obey. So God is looking for some obedient missionaries today. Oh, I got too many stories, but I, hmm, I need to quit. All right, it's 20 after, and you have to close your service. You don't, <laughs> I don't know. They got the pastor's got to deal with his staff when he gets home. If we go any further than now, so uh, that's my exhortation to this house. Each one of us, our acts of obedience, and in 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 little things, when when the Lord puts someone on your heart. When you think, you know, you wake up in the morning, you're praying, and a picture of somebody comes to you, that's your clue to, to call them that day, to respond to that movement of the Spirit. And you can become skilled. It's so, uh, uh, at the movements of the Spirit, you become a useful vessel for Him. So I can develop the skill of hearing the voice of God. But here's our part. Hearing ears are attached to an obedient heart. You say, well, I want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. You need to obey what you hear or you'll stop hearing. Oh, I could preach an hour on this one. It, it's true. It's, it's, it's biblical. Uh, I got to quit. I'm quitting. All right. 
let's stand up together. Well, I, I think I need to turn it over to you, Dan. Can I, can I end this service here? Really? Yeah, thank you. All right. In that case, <laughs> hallelujah. Well, what I'll tell you what I'd like to do is those of you that do need to get your children and uh, go on and have lunch and whatever you can, but I'm going to stay here, and I'd be happy to pray for anyone uh, that desires ministry, and I'm sure there's a ministry team here that would that help us. If you have some need today, uh, we certainly want to pray for you, but I want you to hear my exhortation to you today is obedience in the small things, obedience in the small movements of the spirit that you get. And when... Um, There are so many illustrations of this in our life. You know, the Lord may speak to you to give. He's always stretching me in my giving. Well, you know what that does? That starts creating a warfare. Well, I can't afford that. You know, how am I going to buy that boat I want to buy? You know, and, you know, what if I leave my job next week? And all this warfare begins against the obedience of Christ in your life. And I'm going to tell you something. This is how you're going to mature as a believer and mature as a missionary in your world if you... So what if I'm wrong? So what? Go bless, take some cookies to your neighbor anyway. <laughs> Even if it wasn't the Spirit of the Lord telling you to do that. This is how we learn to hear the voice of the Lord. And so I just, I just want to pray over you right now. And uh, all obedient missionaries, would you lift your hands up to heaven and say, Lord, here am I. My ears are open to you. My heart is open to obey you. I am your servant. I don't want to be ruled by fear. I will not be ruled by rejection. And I am not going to let a carnal mind rule me. But I am led by the Spirit of God. I am his sheep. And I hear the voice of my shepherd. My God talks. And the Spirit of God speaks to me. He reveals the truth to me. And he shows me the things to come and the course in which I should walk. I am your obedient one today, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Pastor, if there's anything you need to say. Well, we'll conclude this time then and just uh, thank, yeah, definitely check out um, Bill's information table, all the resourcing, every uh, and all information you need to know about Lifeline uh, International, uh, his work that is pulling on your heart and you just want to get to know more about it. Again, I encourage you to go go visit Bill, go, go talk with him, have a conversation. Can we just say a prayer as we end service? And uh, if you guys want to come up, I'll be up here, make myself available for prayer or anything um, that you might want uh, prayer for, but uh, let's do this. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this time, for this uh, opportunity to come and listen uh, to you and hear your word about being obedient, Lord God. It's not someone that has to have uh, the most knowledge, know the most, Lord God. We just need to be obedient, Lord God. We just need to get up and go. Get up 
and go and just be faithful and obedient in the small things, Lord God. And with that faithfulness in the small, you will have faithfulness. We should uh, be able to receive more of what you want to give us, your power, your strength to have a greater faith. Uh, when it comes to the bigger things, Lord God. So we just ask that, um, Lord, in this time and the moments that we have, Lord God, be with us, Lord Jesus. Keep us safe, Lord God, as we head out for our Memorial Day weekends, Lord God, and just visit uh, friends and family, Lord Jesus. Bring us all back here uh, safe next Sunday morning, we ask and we pray in your precious holy name. Amen. 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 Well, church, I hope you have a great Memorial Day weekend. Be blessed as you leave. And again, uh, if you wanted to talk with Bill or myself, I'll make myself available for prayer. But if not, have a blessed rest of your Sunday, and we'll see you back here on June 3rd. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.